Out of all the uh, questions I've been asked as a pastor, uh, one of them that surprises me the most that I did not anticipate or expect uh, that I've been asked a lot more uh, than I ever imagined. You know, you kind of think these deep theological questions, you think people are going to ask you uh, all the time and uh, want your opinions on this or that. Uh, one question I've been asked quite a bit that uh, I never saw coming, especially from middle age and younger folks, uh, is every year when homecoming Sunday rolls around, I have people ask me, why do we have homecoming service? What is homecoming service uh, even about? Why, why do we do that every year? And uh, that's not really a question that I anticipated when I became the pastor. Uh, and again, I think the younger a person is, the more likely, although it's not just young people that ask me that, uh, why is that? So I did some asking this past year. Uh, in fact, at our National Association meeting this summer, uh, I was in a meal with some pastors, and I asked them, I said, uh, guys, do you get asked about homecoming? And I discovered something, and then did a little research, and it seems to be true. Uh, especially in urban areas, in medium to large cities, this is a common question in churches like ours. Why do we have homecoming? And so I did some research, and it seems uh, that homecoming is a church tradition uh, that is intersecting rural life and country life is intersecting and as more rural places uh, are becoming more urban, uh, more city driven, that question pops up more often. So according to one source, and this kind of jives with some other sources that I looked at, lots of church homecomings traditionally have been in the fall, though by no means all of them. Many of them occur in early September, October, and on into early November. In the past, homecoming featured dinner on the grounds, which is exactly what it sounds like. Folks would gather in, uh, imagine small, uh, smaller country churches, and folks would gather for worship, and then they would go outside and eat on the grounds. Typically, there would be special music and oftentimes a guest preacher. If the church had been around a while and could still find a former pastor that they liked and liked them, they would bring back the former pastor to remind the church of what God had done in the past. Church leaders, traditionally, and by that I don't mean just uh, deacons uh, or men of the church, church leaders, both men and women, in many cases women, would start talking about and planning for homecoming Sunday several months before it ever occurred. The church building the church grounds, and oftentimes, especially in rural places, the neighboring graveyard, which was often the church graveyard, would be spruced up in connection to homecoming Sunday. Some churches would gather the Saturday before Sunday, and people would bring flowers and put them on the graves. The different colored flowers, chosen with care, love, and respect, would transform these mounds of death into a brightly colored living memorial. All of this would happen at homecoming at many churches, particularly rural churches in the last century. But that doesn't answer the question. Why the term homecoming? That's what goes on, but why the term homecoming? Well, one fellow I read said that the term implied... And I believe this is true, that for quite a while, folks that moved away 
would come back for that service, particularly in churches where there uh, was a graveyard. Again, you can understand if you have kinfolks that are buried in this church and their church graveyard or the neighboring graveyard close by that maybe a number of churches would, would frequent or use, you can imagine if there was going to be a, a, a weekend where you would take care of that and spruce it up, it would be a good opportunity to come back and remember your past and remember the church of your youth. Uh, one guy said, homecoming is a time for welcoming back those who moved away and as well as those whom the church ran off and you can all pretend that nothing happened. So I thought that was uh, pretty good too. What is homecoming about? It's a time for the church to affirm its past to remember founders, to reconnect with the people, maybe if you grew up in the church, to reconnect with those who knew you not only as a child, but more importantly shaped you as a disciple of Jesus. It's a welcoming home for those who have moved, and it culminates with a great feast, a feast both, in my mind, reminiscent of those in the Old Testament and that great wedding feast of the Lamb, being prepared for those who look to the Lord's Jesus' coming. And what a feast that will be. So it's a good tradition. And although folks don't come home quite like they used to or, or nowhere near the scale they once used to, and I found that's not just true for our church, but again, the more urban you get, that's just true across the board. Folks don't come home like they used to on Homecoming Sunday. It is still a day of remembrance and a day of feasting. My eyes literally, I wish I could have seen myself and taken a picture. My eyes lit up this week when one of our newer members asked me, and their eyes were lit up as they asked me this question, whose food, since this will be their first homecoming Sunday with us, whose food should I make sure to eat on Sunday? And after being here for nine years, so as a pastor, you have to learn to uh, walk a narrow path so as not to offend. After being here for nine years, I knew who to say whose food that I was going to be eating for sure. I was able to share some of the Cookville homecoming food secrets. And that's a good tradition. An advantage of pastoring almost a decade now. There are those who cooked for us on that first homecoming that I was here that are no longer with us. And I have thought about this week in connection with this sermon and that question I was asked. Some of you that, who knows, for any of us really, that have prepared food for us on this day, this could be the last, the last homecoming we ever eat together. So it's a special time. And it should be a joyous time. You know, that's how Jesus' homecoming started. You remember that little story? Jesus' homecoming started out pretty good after he launched into his ministry. But, uh, you know, after they got over the excitement of the boy who had made it, Jesus' homecoming didn't stay that way. In fact, it quickly turned raucous and rowdy and into a life or death affair. It's a kind of homecoming uh, that would have been something to have seen and to have viewed. Not quite what we would think of, maybe. I want us to look at this very dangerous homecoming of Jesus today on our homecoming Sunday. Go to Luke chapter 4, and we'll read verses 14 through 30. In a 
out of my routine today with the, the, the music being in here to start with a thing, so I don't have on my uh, fancy uh, microphone on my ear here, so I'm just going to preach from right here this morning. I want us to look at this rocky and uh, raucous homecoming of Jesus. See what we can learn from it this morning. Luke chapter 4, verses 14. This is after Jesus' baptism and after his time uh, in the wilderness. It says in Luke chapter 4, verse 14, And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit unto Galilee, and there went out a fame of him through all the region round about. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up as his custom was. And he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. There was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he opened the book, he found the place where it was written. And uh, you can tell Jesus kind of uses a, a loose translation here of what's found there. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, the recovering of the sight to the blind, and set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book, or the scroll, whatever it was there, you know, he closed it, gave it again to the minister, and sat down. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him, so uh, the, the the custom a lot of times was there would they would read in the synagogue, and if there was a gifted teacher, or uh, you can think preacher too, if there was one gifted to do that, uh, they would read the reading, and then some sort of teaching would be given. Often, uh, the one that was doing the teaching would sit down. When you'd, you'd stand and read this, then would sit down and teach. Not always, but often. So here's the hometown boy, right? And he has read the scriptures, and now they are ready uh, to see what he's got to say. He began to say unto them, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. And all bore him witness and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. So he, he says some things. I don't think we actually have everything that he said, but he, he begins to preach, he begins to teach. And they, what do they say? They said, is not this Joseph's son? And he said unto them, you will surely say unto me this proverb. He said, I know what you folks are going to say to me. Physician, heal yourself. And whatever we have heard you've done in Capernaum, he's already been doing ministry there, do also here in your country. He said, Verily or truly I say unto you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. But I tell you a truth, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elias. And the heaven was shut up three years and six months when great famine was throughout all the land. But unto none of them was Elias sent, save unto uh, Sarepta in a city of Sidian, unto a woman that was a widow. And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisus the prophet, and none of them was cleansed, saving Naaman the Syrian. Right, you get the point. I'm not going to do unto you what's been done other places. 
Because just like the Old Testament prophets, when there were many who could have been healed and many that were in need, it was to Naaman the Syrian that cleansing came. All they in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath. They got the point. And they rose up and thrust him out of the city and led him under the brow of the hill whereon their city was built. They're about to cast him off a hill that they might cast him down headlong. But he, passing through the midst of them, went his way. Jesus has come home. On this day, he's preaching to a crowd of people who've known him since he was just a child. That he gets to read in the synagogue and share might suggest that they are proud and they feel privileged to have the hometown kid sharing from God's word. As one Bible teacher puts it, can you hear the women now? Why isn't that Joseph's boy? My Mary must be proud. Wasn't he just a carpenter's son when he left home? Mary and Joseph never had that much. Wow, look at old Jesus. Pretty good homecoming so far, right? And then it all falls apart. What happens? How does the peaceful homecoming suddenly turn so sour? Look at verses 20 through 22. Again, he closed the book, he gave it again to the minister, sat down. The eyes of all them were in the synagogue fastened fastened on him. They're, They're amazed by him. And he began to say unto them, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. And all bore him witness, wondered at his gracious words that proceeded out of his mouth. And here is the big clue, and going to be a big clue to all of Luke's gospel. And they said, Is not this Joseph's son? Here are the Jews gathered at the synagogue on a Saturday reading first from the Torah and then the prophets most likely. Here is the teacher that is maybe sat down, maybe standing, delivering his sermon. Jesus, the hometown hero, reads this text and when he sits there's a hushed silence and they say to themselves, is this not Joseph's son? They respond favorably at first, verse 22 uses the word gracious there. And in the Greek, that's getting at the idea that they found his words attractive. They found what he had to say compelling. But they do not understand. To them, the one proclaiming this word is Joseph's son, and that's the end of the story. They are not ready to accept what the Gospel of Luke will unfold and witness to that yes, this is Joseph's son, but this is also the Son of God. And as this Gospel unfolds, it will become more clear that those who cannot accept that he is more than Joseph's son, that he is the Son of God, they cannot and will not accept his message. Right in the middle of the approval and acclaim of the hometown crew, Jesus insults his listeners. No doubt you'll quote that old proverb, Jesus says. Physician, heal yourself. And you'll probably want me to do what you've heard I've been doing in Capernaum. By the way, you know Capernaum was not just filled with Jews. It was a place where there were lots of Gentiles. guess you've heard about that, folks. Well, don't you know that no prophet... Is accepted in his hometown. When the prophets came to do miracles and wonders, it was more often 
for Israel's enemies. So back off, Jesus tells the folks on homecoming. I know what you're thinking, Jesus says. You're thinking, Joseph's son, prove to us, Joseph's son, what you can do. And if you prove to us, Joseph's son, then we might believe. Jesus doubles down on the challenge in verses 26 and 27. Unto none of them, verse 26 says, was Elias sent, save unto Sarepta, a city of city, and unto a woman that was a widow. And many lepers were in Israel at the time of Elias the prophet, and none of them was clean, save Naaman the Syrian. God favors Syria and not Israel? I don't think so, the people say. God heal in Capernaum? But not in Nazareth? No way, the people scream. Jesus, you are really, really royally messing up homecoming. This is supposed to be about us. This is supposed to be about what God will do for us. And you're talking about God's good news for somebody else. And then like the mob we saw the other week from Acts two weeks ago just like they took Paul and a foreshadowing of what will happen to Jesus they take him out of the city to try and kill him verse 28 all they in the synagogue when they heard these things were filled with wrath they rose up and thrust him out of the city led him into the brow of the hill whereon their city was built that they may cast him down headlong but he passing through the midst of them went his way. God has been really good to Cookville Free Will Baptist Church over the years. If you enjoyed hearing those testimonies earlier, say amen. That's just a small little reminder of what God has done for our church. But on homecoming day of all days, we need to make sure that the focus is right where it needs to be, which is not on us, but on God's Son, Jesus. We need to make every day and every Sunday not about exalting ourselves, uh, our agendas, our purposes, whatever that may be. We need to constantly kneel at the cross and remember that it is about God's Son. The Son of Joseph, yes, but much more God's Son, Jesus. And so on homecoming day, we should remember the blessings of the past. We should remember these things, but even more, we need to consider on this homecoming day, what is it that God wants us to do in this coming year? Which is another way of saying, as we praise and worship God, who will it be this year that God wants us to bless as we show His love to them? Who can you individually tell about Jesus this year and who can you show his love to? I wrote down just a few things in this past year that have been going on through our church. In 2018, we blessed hungry children in our area through a number of of ways, actually. One of them was allowing our church gym to serve as the distribution point for food for school children during uh, fall break when they would not have access to, uh, to meals. Cookville Free Will Baptist Church has worked with a local elementary school to help spruce up the school where they were the hands and feet of Jesus. We have financially 
supported those fleeing the North Carolina hurricane. In 2018, we tried to help parents in our church with a Sunday night seminar on technology and pornography. The ladies through their ministry have uh, used one of their sessions to learn about the sex slave trafficking in our area and how it affects all of us. These are just a few of the ways, there are many more, a few of the ways in 2018 that we have sought to be the light that Jesus has called us to be. And above all these things, in 2018 we have seen sinners saved. We saw the people of God expand. I think of the six new professions of faith, the baptisms. My friends, homecoming, we must remember, is not not, uh, just a ritual. If it's going to continue to have any meaning, meaning, even as times change and people don't come home like they once used to and we don't have a graveyard to spruce up and, 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 and things just change, that's the way it is. But if we're going to continue to take a day to remember the founding of this church and its purpose, then on that day, what we most need to do, and, I'm not, and I don't think we've done this, but what we most need to do is not pound our chest and think, wow, how great is Cookville Free Will. We need to, on homecoming day, say, how great is Jesus? How great is Jesus? As we think of the faithful sacrifice of others, we must not be complacent in that. We must rest in the faithful sacrifice of Jesus on the cross and consider what it is that He would have us to do for His name and His fame. When Jesus comes, the fame has already been spread The word has already grown about what he has done and what he has accomplished. And it is so sad that in Nazareth, instead of lifting their voices to that chorus of praise and spreading his fame, they tried to snuff out God's work for sinful humanity. You see, for the people of God, true homecomings must always be about honoring God. And now in this new age this, that Paul writes about, for us it also involves remembering Jesus, His saving us from sin, His blood that was spilt for us. God-honoring homecomings are about remembering those that God is calling to seek and save. It's about remembering and asking God to help us to seek the challenge to love others. May this church, may Cookville Free Will Baptist Church, may you, may we never run Jesus off when he comes to church. May you never run him off when he comes home to you. One of the probably, I don't know, I'm kind of just, this is off the cuff right here, but Maybe top five, possibly top ten, definitely top ten, maybe top five. Uh, Hardest things for me uh, since I've been pastoring is what to do with people that need financial help. It is one of the hardest things. When I first came, my wife can tell you this, when I I first came, uh, and I'm not bragging about this because actually some of this was not good, Uh, when I first came, everybody that would come to the door during the week, I would just give them money. I would just, I mean, if I had 20 bucks, most time I'd give them 20 bucks. If, uh, you know, whatever, I'd take them down, get them gas, do all this. And 
Uh, finally, my wife reminded me one day, she said, hey, you know you still owe this much on your school bill, right? You know this. And uh, you're going to have to you're going to have to reevaluate. And so I've had to learn. I've had to learn how to personally help people, uh, but also make an adjustment there. But it's still hard for me when people come or people call. It's still hard to know exactly what to do. Because even when I can feel my heart getting a little callous and I can feel like, boy, we've, we've already done this, or I know this time of year, Christmas time, they're going to all start calling, wanting Christmas presents for kids and wanting this and wanting that. And I, I can feel that, that callousness creeping up. There's a little part that I believe is the Holy Spirit that always pricks me that says, yeah, but what if this time this one has been led here by Jesus? by Jesus and that's why we have others that help make these decisions and I'm, I'm glad for that I'm glad we do because we kind of think together and there are times that people you, you quickly discover they're not telling you the truth or they're abusing or using churches in the area and that's not good and you don't need to help with that but even as we do that Let's just strive to really commit in our heart that Jesus, when we see others, we will try our best to see you. If you'll commit to that, say amen. Now that's really hard. And sometimes I'm not very good at that. But Jesus shows up and it could have been such a great homecoming. But they're more focused on what Jesus will do for them than they are about spreading His fame and honoring Him and recognizing with eyes of faith that this is more than Joseph's son. More than Joseph's son. So Cookville Free Will Baptist Church, we've heard great music today. In fact, I would say, and I want to give God praise for this, one of the amazing ways that God has blessed our church in the last year and a half, two years, that I could have never seen coming is just an influx. And we've had good talent, but we've, we've had folks who are really involved in the choir, and many of those have died, honestly, over the last few years. And a few, few years ago, it was like, man, boy, we could, we could be like a lot of churches. We could be in real trouble and then today to hear these folks sing if you're glad what God has done musically in our church say amen just wonderful just great our songs our sermons our purpose for being at church it's got to be about Jesus his name and his fame we're all made different. And in 2018 into 2019, what you do for the Lord, it won't all look the same. It won't all look the same. We've given Trey a really, really hard time lately. Uh, when Trey was interning this summer, uh, probably one of my favorite things that has happened that, that, uh, that just, boy, well, so here's what happened. So Trey is interning. He's thinking about the ministry, trying to see, hey, what's this all about? And we took our church pictures, all right? So we had our church pictures. 
And so Trey, uh, he's already laughing, so Trey, one, one of the days the church pictures said, hey, Trey, will you go open the church up for the photographer and be here? And so Trey's a young guy. He hasn't, you know, doesn't have a lot of experience in ministry, obviously. That's why we're letting him learn and, and grow. And so Trey gets here early, and uh, Trey opens the church up. Well, he calls me, uh, I guess he called me later in the day, whenever it was, and said, uh, Pastor Charles, uh, I blew it. I'm thinking, well, all you do is open the church up. Like, what do you mean you blew it? And Trey goes, I blew it, Pastor Charles. Like, what, are you, what are you talking about you blew it, Trey? Like, what, what did you do? And Trey said, well, you know, I'm doing this because I feel called to ministry and, and I want to minister to people. And I said, yeah, yeah. And he said, well, he said the photographer showed up and, and, and nobody else was here. And uh, he showed up and kind of got him set up and, and got him set up. And I'm just waiting for the first person to get here. And Trey said, and he began to talk to me. Like, okay, Trey, that's good. You're wanting to go in ministry, right? This is part of what happens. People talk to you. And Trey says, well, he started to talk to me, and he started telling me, started telling me about his daughter who tried to commit suicide. Is that right? Tried to commit suicide. And uh, I said, well, Trey, what would you say? And he goes, that's the problem. And he said, this guy poured his heart out to me. It terrified me. I froze and went, huh. But I'll tell you this. This week when we needed folks to help put things up for homecoming, tables up and things out. Trey came over and he was putting up tables and he was helping and he was doing all this stuff. And I looked at him. I looked at him and I said, Trey, this is, this is where you feel comfortable, don't you? And he said, yeah, man, this is right, this is right up my alley, right up my alley. He said, I can do this putting up tables and this behind the scenes stuff. I can do this all the time. And that's awesome. We need to... We need to use the gifts that God has gave us. If you're glad he's all gifted us differently, say amen. And it's okay that he didn't know what to say to that guy. But I want to say this to all of us. Yes, use the gifts that God has given you. But just because you mess up and you don't get it just right, in that moment, be even more thankful that God gives grace for you when you mess it all up. On homecoming day, it should not be about beating our chest. It should not be about the sort of pride that Jesus wouldn't like. It should be about the acceptable day of the Lord. That he has come to deliver the captives, to give sight to the blind. To set at liberty them that are bruised. And so I want to say to you today on this day. That if Jesus Christ is not your Lord and Savior. If you have not seen him as more than Joseph's son. Jesus loves you. And he died for you. And he has a place for you in his family. And he is saying to you today, leave the scraps and the filth from the garbage cans of life that you have been eating out of and come and sit and feast with me. Say, I'm not good enough. I'm not right enough. That's okay. Jesus just says, come. Come and believe. If you're glad for Jesus today, say amen. Father God, I ask you today on this homecoming day, as the musicians come, 
Well, God, as we're going to sing together and then we're going to go eat. Father God, I pray on this homecoming day that we will be thankful for Jesus. We will be thankful for the way that he has loved us and he has cared for us in this past year. Lord, I pray that we as a church and as individuals, we will consider the ways that we can minister for Jesus' name and his fame in the coming year. Father God, I ask today that you will help each and every one of us Help each and every one of us, Father God, to not turn away those that you send to us or to allow us to embrace them and love them and help them. And Lord, we don't know what to say and we don't know how to help. Help us to just point them to you. Lord God, if there's one today, if there's one that's in this place who needs you, who needs a word of hope or that needs a church to pray for them that needs salvation or if there's one today that stands in need Lord, we pray that they would come that they would feel your love this morning Father God we ask this in Jesus name